Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. everybody welcome to the journey now podcast a much a much better introduction today well, than, than normal i yeah. like the regular introduction do you like it i do okay. well but, I but I, I just love the, the the sound of an angelic voice as with voice loads of, of energy angel. the with with well supplemented well supplemented um yes. and... i got my flu shot last week oh me too yeah yeah wow did you get yours uh no why, why would I do that? Okay, <laughs> let's go over the checklist today. Did you get yeah. your, you didn't get your flu shot? Not yet. Have you had a COVID booster? And how uh, do you feel about the COVID booster? Um, I don't know anything <laughs> about the COVID booster and I have not. I got mine. COVID, you got yours. COVID mm-hmm. booster. Okay, I have mine. Because don't they mine. combine it with the flu shot? Uh, you can't, no, no. Okay. Have, have you gotten so. your shingles vaccination? I'm not old enough. You're not, Ooh. I love oh, why did that. you walk? That, why that did you walk into that? One? That was great. I'm not Susie. old enough. Uh, you has, walk I walked that right one. into yes, that. Yes, I've had shingles. I didn't know. Right? I didn't know you had to be old enough. Yeah. You know what I? You know like, what I got? Did I tell you this? Can you go to a bar yet? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've been I going got to bars. I got one <laughs> shingle in my right eye. Did I tell you this? Yes. Just recently. Yeah. So I got the second part of the vaccine, and then all of a sudden I woke up and my my right eye it was like seeing through frosted glass. Mm. And I couldn't see a darn thing. That sounds like is, a movie. It sounds like a stroke. Ooh, and so, like the docs were oh, like, good. "Dude, you need to go." Like, this is why the anti-vax people are anti-vax for situations like this. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so it. I went to the eye doctor, and he's like, "There's a shingle." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, well, I just got the vaccine." And he's I mean, like, "Well, there you go." It's legit. Some people don't do well with them. Yeah. So yeah. Did, you, did you get the second vaccine? The that second. was after the second vaccine. Oh. So what they did, they they usually would give you antivirals, but they gave me this kind of harsh thing to drop into my eye to kind of burn it away or mm-hmm. kill it or something. Yeah. But, okay. Also, today is election day. But hold on. Oh. We also need to let people know Tim's not here. Tim's but. not here. No, but we have. We have in his stead <laughs> a, 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 worthy a human... Yeah, a worthy, a worthy <laughs> replacement of equal sense of humor. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have Seth Erie in the room with us today. Seth, Yay! hey, <laughs> you want to come talk? Yeah. No. no. Uh, so Seth, Seth, it's a, it is election day. Hence, the kids don't have school. The kids don't have school. Hence, hence. Seth is henceforth. <laughs> the kids do wow. not have school. Oh, we're going to so use old. Hence, Seth is right here. We're so. using old English Something today. Something vexes thee. <laughs> Hither- and it is that the kids don't have school. Yeah. Hitherto known as... <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Hands. So we have uh, a Seth Erie. And if you're not familiar with my son, Seth, he closes our 11 o'clock service. He's, He's kind of a, a rock dream. star. Uh, kind of a rock star around here. But and he doesn't so, want to talk on here. But yeah, why are you shy today? <laughs> when you, you have never in our whole life together turned down a microphone. He's eating an apple. Oh, Kevin's apple. Go for oh. it. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Well... There you oh, go. He Kevin. just wanted a bite. He left uh, it on your desk. Yeah, and then he'll give it back after he's held it. Just a bite. Examined it, taken a bite of it. That sounds about right. It sounds All like right. every drink I get. 
And then, then That's there's amazing. backwashing. That's so okay, anyway, so did actually, you vote today? Have you voted I have yet? not. I mean, what I've done is Seth and I went to a very <laughs> long <laughs> breakfast. You're looking at me like my husband looks at me when I like give him all the things that yeah, he has yeah, to do. You're yeah. like, stop, stop yeah, telling me yeah. all the things I have to do. I'm here. <laughs> Seth and I ate a very excruciatingly uh, painful, painful yeah. breakfast that that was really bad service at a restaurant we will not name. No, but not McDonald's because they have great service. Mm-hmm. This was like a sit down. <laughs> sit and down. So, no, I'm here. Have you voted yet? Yes, I voted early. Of course you did, mm-hmm. Kevin. No, not I don't yet. Like lines. Okay. I'll vote on my way home. Yeah, I vote with my life. All right, so I vote with my feet. That's deep. Yep. All right, Suze, what do you got for okay, us today? Okay, so we had a really great um, email sent to us recently. And I think this question's come up a little bit here and there throughout the series on Revelation that we find ourselves in. And this person emailed us. They're an online viewer. We love our online viewers because we have we have actually quite a few online listeners that are not in the area. Yeah, more, um, more online <laughs> listeners than we do to listeners of the podcast. Yes. Because this dear listener... Is listening to the podcast. Yes. The dear listener is listening. <laughs> one. But I think we're going to, I'm going to email this person back and invite him to become another dear listener because now we're answering his question. Yeah. Okay. So the question yeah, yeah. is, um, I'm really enjoying the teaching series on Revelation. I would love to hear Pastor Mike's story on how his thinking changed from his views on Revelation growing up to today. I'd also love to get resources on early church fathers writing on revolution, Revelation. Revolution so, too. Yeah. yeah, I have revolution on my mind. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think this is a great question because both of you really have studied Revelation and taught Revelation. I mean, Kevin, we did a um, exploring scripture a couple years ago on Revelation. That yeah, was we really did it on good. Zoom. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. But both of you have moved, sort of moved a position on mm-hmm. how you read Revelation now. Yeah. So it'd be great for people to hear what changed and what, how how you got here and what has influenced you based on your current thinking. On yeah, my current thinking. Go ahead, Kevin. Go tell ahead. us. Well, tell us first what you used to see it, how you used to see it. Sure. I, I grew up um, in a very conservative Baptist environment. And uh, I remember sitting in a uh, high school gymnasium watching Thief in the Night. What and was that for, about for people who Those of you who don't know what that's about, it's about the rapture and the end of uh, civilization, civilization as we mm-hmm. know it. And it was it was by design and um, a pretty fear-filled evangelism tool to scare people into uh, believing into Jesus, believing Jesus, so that you won't get left behind when the rapture happens. And for those of you who don't know what the rapture is, our one listener I think does. But if there's two out there, the rapture is when Jesus comes back and gathers the church and we all disappear Mm -hmm. and the rest of the people are left here. And it's what the Left Behind series kind of has the the feel of So Thief in the Night and Left Behind are of the same... Ilk. Ilk. Yes, henceforth. (laughs) Something vexes me. (laughs) So so I grew up in that that idea. And then Mm -hmm. as I got older... Um, and learned more about how Revelation was translated and different things and and interpreted for us in this day, I I was skeptical. Mm -hmm. Um, I was skeptical pretty young. I was skeptical um, probably in high school. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have the tools or the wherewithal or even the patience at that time to kind of do the 
the deep dive to figure it out. Fast forward, I went to seminary, and in seminary they gave me a bunch of different views. Mm. So they didn't they didn't indoctrinate me at Trinity. They just kind of said, "Hell, oh, okay, this is a bunch of smart people, and yeah. they kind of view it this way." But the Free Church, the Evangelical Free Church of America, which I was a part of, and which Trinity was a part of, had a very narrow view of of end times, and it was written into their doctrinal statement. And in order to be pastoring and ordained in that denomination you had to agree with it or you had to give an explanation as to why and it's the very traditional view of of how the end times would play out that there's going to be a rapture there's going to be a tribulation there's going to be a millennium there's going to be a judgment there's going to be all these things are going to happen and they happen in a particular order because it was very specific for the Mm -hmm. free church which was a pre-millennial view um anyway all that to say that uh, in my years of being in the free church, I was in the free church for 25 plus years, they decided to rewrite the um, doctrinal statement. I don't remember how long ago, it was a while ago. And and this was the reason why, they wanted to broaden that view. And I was like, oh, they're gonna broaden that view. And so they brought in scholars to a conference mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. And this is this was the beginning of when I, I realized I, I probably need to, do my work now yeah. on this. And I, I, I'm thinking it was around t- 2003, right mm-hmm. around there, 2002, 2003. And they had like some of the smartest people I know come in from Trinity, some from, and they, they brought them in from all these different uh, denominations. And, and if I remember correctly, that was at the peak of popularity for the Left Behind series. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was a big deal. Um, and so they brought in all these scholars, some from Baptist dispensational views, some from reform views, some from, and they put them all on the stage. They made their presentation. And with the hope, the people that were behind this, the, is that we would just go, oh, let's just leave it. Let's mm-hmm. just leave it the same, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so, but that prompted me to go, eh, I probably need to decide what I really think about this. And so I dove pretty deep into... Um, a lot of what Mike's been talking about, a lot about how it's been fulfilled, how it's how it spoke to the churches of the time, where it fits into the uh, timeline of uh, uh, that. This was the great struggle. The great struggle is how does uh, Matthew twenty four and twenty five, the great judgment mm-hmm. and the separation of the sheep and goats, fit into Revelation? And I, I don't know. And, and so there's a degree of uh, ambiguity that comes with that. But then actually, after doing a ton of reading around Revelation, I came to the conclusion that I've been understanding it wrong my whole life, mm. um, in my opinion. So that was the impetus behind it. Yeah, that's good. And, uh, and then I started to teach it in my church, which uh caused a lot of problems for the denomination because I didn't hold any longer to the to their view to their view yeah so Kevin now I'm not Dixon, in, now I'm not problems. in the evangelical free church of america <laughs> anymore sorry either is mike though mike was part of the evangelical free church of america never officially <laughs> you pastored one of the churches yeah but i never got ordained right. or licensed or right. anything right absolutely and and very similar uh journey same set of concepts. Um, it's not like I read Revelation when I was young. I just inherited a view that was reinforced in seminary through popular novels, through films. 
And that was just the inherited view. So you um, never actually read it for yourself? No. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean, no, you know, the only people that talked about it were people who were, you know, yeah. at least to my very young mind, very convincing. Like, here's the chart and here's mm-hmm. how it fits and look at how beautiful it is. Yeah. Here are how the numbers line up. And um, it wasn't until I started reading the Gospels and you come to these sections at the end of Matthew and Mark in particular, mm-hmm. where Jesus begins to talk in end of the world language. But he's also kind of have, he has in, in view the destruction of Jerusalem. And there's some fuzziness as to when he's talking about one or the other. And, and that kind of led me to, um, I've, I've been friends with a number of really great, curious scholars. Mm-hmm. And one of them handed me a book called The Theology of Revelation. And um, and it was a short little book uh, by Richard Bauckham, uh, a British scholar from the UK. And uh, of course, he's from the UK if he's British. But he uh, very um, uh, succinctly and beautifully kind of opened up the book of Revelation in a way that I'd not ever really considered and that then spurred on you know mm-hmm. further studying investigation so yeah. i think uh, i think there are a lot of us who are of the 80s 90s zeros mm-hmm. that inherited sort of that view in revelation you didn't have to read it because here it was explained to you perfectly yeah yeah so if the, is if if there is like i know like the first week of the series mike you know, he kind of spelled out a little bit of the different views mm-hmm. of Revelation. Right. Is there a, people always often like want to know where you land, like what category you land in. Right. Is there a category in which either of you land in, in, oh. in the, the labels for the views or that people kind of throw out there? Because I, I mean, I know we had one, one friend, um, mm-hmm call and ask ahead of time before we started the series yeah, yeah, she yeah. was curious like i want to know what view right. mike is taking yeah and you know the response was it actually doesn't matter in terms of how we're teaching it right but is that something you feel you can answer yeah i hate because i don't i don't fit my my particular view kind of fits as a blended kind of a of a couple of them but mm-hmm. um personally i think m- m- most most of revelation was fulfilled mm-hmm. in in the roman empire most mm-hmm. of it um i think the last couple chapters when it talks about heaven and earth and it talks about um the new jerusalem it talks about those things you kind of go well obviously that's future mm-hmm. um but i also part of part of my belief is in the way that it's 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 kind of coming out in the way that mike even the way that mike's teaching it um and the way that we've been looking at it um, I think it's written in such a way that we we can see the repetitive nature of um, things in our current time. I mm-hmm. think I think it's written in such a way that we can identify. Oh, there's antichrists. There's 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 people that are being influenced. There's forces. There's dark forces that are up against us, mm-hmm. up against God and His people all through history, mm-hmm. all through history. And it's very repetitive. We see the story over and over again. We see it over and over again in the Old Testament. We see it in history. We see it even in our lifetime. Um, 
And and the bigger question becomes, how do you see yourself in the story? Yeah. Um, as opposed to how do you see it playing out at the end? Mm-hmm. And and that's been the the idea. And and um, you know, we talked about this a lot when we did it on the Zoom class and mm-hmm. exploring scripture, trying to explain to people this was a book of hope. Yeah. This was a book that was written to people who were of being oppressed Mm -hmm. and and that's part of the struggle of teaching it in this culture part of the struggle of teaching it in this culture is we're not oppressed we're not persecuted people we are affluent people Mm -hmm. um and and so it, it brings a different message attached to it and rather than seeing ourselves in the little church in the middle of modern or old turkey um my asia minor trying to survive in the middle of great persecution in the middle of a a world that doesn't care about them we now find ourselves in a position of um actually having some power yeah and actually how do we exercise that power how do we not um become the oppressor Mm -hmm. that's the i think that's the that's just a totally different yeah struggle than than the hope that was trying to be poured out upon these little churches. How about you, Mike? Do you? Oh, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good summary. So how would you? How would you both um, say that you've been formed spiritually, personally, in your own life? How you view God? How you view yourself as a follower of Jesus? Through re- through through revelation. Understanding your understanding of revelation. It's a good question. You go ahead, Mike. I just lathered for a few minutes. Oh well, I mean, it, it, the that's the formation of hope. You know, there here's a book that, as Kevin said, has been historically used to instill fear, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, a picture of God that is very, you know, interestingly um, in tension with the picture of Jesus that we get, and. Um, and so for me, the, the book um, rests on uh, the, it, and expands upon the, the promise of resurrection, you know, because the book yeah. ends with new creation. And so for me, it's, it is um, a, a source of deep hope and interrogation about where it is that I'm participating in cultural yeah. patterns that have always existed but that are anti-christ at their core yeah. right that's good. yeah that's the the study of culture kind of kind of lays it, revelation lays open or lays bare the idea that there are principalities there are dark forces at play in culture that we're highly unaware of and and i think part of the tellingness of it is is that the the dark forces present themselves as light. They present themselves as the answer to the question, as opposed to in opposition to the answer to the question. And so therein lies the um, need, if anything, the need for discernment. It is, it has moved me into this place of, am I discerning enough to be aware of what's actually behind that which I embrace? Um, and I'm, and I'm, and, and am I willing to do the work first to find out or first to be curious enough to ask the question and then to find out what actually is propping up said 
beast said kingdom said cultural phenomena that um the, to ask the question what's behind it and i don't think we do that i think we we assume things and i think i do this i know i do this i don't know if you guys do this but i assume what looks good is good mm-hmm. um where in reality what's behind it might not be because the he, the principalities present themselves well as light yeah yeah well thanks guys that was yeah. good thank you Susie. Um, speaking of beasts <laughs> though oh uh, i thought we were well, wrapping up no transition we got one question i think we should answer okay it would be good to answer we got a couple minutes left yeah. from sunday we got a question um regarding the dragon slash serpent because we we got into that a bit in our study the question is, well, first of all, what chapter specifically were you in in case dear listener wasn't there on Sunday? For, uh, in Revelation? Yeah, in Revelation. 12 and 13. And then Daniel? 7. 7. Okay. So the question here is, is the temptation is the temptation for us as it was for them to listen to the dragon slash serpent promising knowledge of good and evil and ability to be like God? And this is most commonly done through the worship of beasts, kingdoms, governments, religions, and leaders. So is it a current temptation? Is that, is yeah. that the fundamental that, question? Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, the, as Kevin said, one of the things that, that Revelation suggests is the reoccurrence of patterns throughout mm-hmm. history. Yeah. And so, the, I mean, Revelation um, leads us into the questioning of whatever cultural normal right sort of we've inherited and the possibility that sitting behind cultural normal um is the shadowy figures of you know the serpent dragon the the one who leads the world astray and um the willingness the willingness of god's people to cultivate the wrestling through and struggling through um, of the dynamics of, you know, what what we would all look at and say, yeah, yeah, that's just part of what it is to be human. Mm-hmm. And the recognition that those aren't all, you know, good. Yeah. And so um, can that happen? Of course. I mean, the seven times God pronounces something to be good. One time he pronounces something to be not good. And so when the, the serpent comes and tempts, the, the man and the woman to define good and evil. God's already done that. Mm. And um, so it's this really poetic yeah. picture of taking a prerogative that's God's alone, the de- declaration that things were good, mm-hmm. and then you know usurping that for their own right. benefit. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, the, I, I think the, where we get hung up, and even in these questions... Is, is trying to um, better define what the serpent is or did he fly, was he talking, did serpents talk? And, and we get caught up in those things. Rather than asking the question, how does this, how did, rather than the identity of said serpent or what the serpent was like or all those things, those are, you know, those are good curious questions to ask. But the answers to those questions aren't as relevant as the power of the serpent in the way that it moves and influences the, the human human. And so there is a, a ability attached to this, this 
force, the, the serpent, that um, gets humans in such a way that he can manipulate and cause curiosity and cause doubt and cause um, at least enough for us to, to shadow yeah. the goodness of God. And so there's the, the, the uncanny, crafty ability of the serpent to take that which was good and, and cast doubt on it and, and draw us in and draw us into that doubting, which is, um, I think, still happening in great abundance around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's, there's the simple idea. And, and I think part of this goes back to, you know, as you, as you hear Jesus teach and you read through the gospels and you begin to recognize his affinity for those who have been, uh, left out or those on the margins or those that have been, that are assumed less than the ones that are sick or the ones that are widowed or the ones that are without. And the assumption is in and among even his followers, his closest followers, is the people with money are the ones that are blessed by God. Um, and because they can't conceive of it a different way. So what is the power behind that assumption? The power behind that assumption is the deception that earthly wealth equals the blessing of God. And so they pursue earthly wealth with the assumption that they're being blessed by God. Right. And so it takes away, it takes away really a... A, it twists a goodness. It twists a truth to assume something that is that is attributed to God when it's not, mm. and and that's the work of the uh, behind the scenes um, of the one of the power behind it. And I think that's the struggle. The struggle is, and we see it in capitalism. We see it in Marxism. We see it in every form of government around the world. Is that there's some element of goodness to it that's attributed to it that ultimately has a a different force behind it and so that's what we have to be discerning about and that's that's the craftiness of the evil one yeah and and we see it too in the judgment we see it in the judgment when god you know at the end of time when the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and and the condemnation is this is if you've done it unto the least of these, you've not done it unto me. Or if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. There is this, the, the division and the ones that did it, were, when did we do that? Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. they're, not, they're not seeing the, the, the nature of what is transpiring. So I, it's a, it should be forming for us, but it should cause us to ask some really deep questions. It's a little bit of work. Well, I think that's happening. I mean, the questions that we've been getting every weekend have mm-hmm. been really great and deep questions. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really wow. I'm, I'm every week. I'm taken aback by the 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 type of questions that yeah. that people text in and and stand up and ask and mm-hmm. in in the middle of our gatherings. It's been really really interesting. So. Yeah. Well, cool. thanks to you guys. Keep sending in the questions. Yeah. If you have more questions, you can uh, email them into journey at journeytn.com. And again, if you like this podcast, leave us a rating and a review and share it with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, everybody. See you.